focus of our message today is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. Are you still awake? Okay. You were, this is time where you're probably just now waking up, but uh, hey, it's good to be together as we talk about community. And uh, Leo, I appreciate your witness, your, your, your statement of faith today, because that's what we build on. We build our common community on our faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, when you think about the word community, it's almost like a buzzword today. There's almost community everything. C- community, by definition, means when people hold something in common. So we've got uh, community centers, we've got community athletic leagues, we've got community banks, uh, we've got online communities, we've got communities of almost everything you can imagine. But what about the community of the church? That's what we specifically want to talk about, because we have a common God, a Father who is our head, who made us and all that exists. We have a Savior who has come into our flesh to take away our sins. We have a Holy Spirit as God who gives us faith in our hearts and then empowers us to to live out that faith in a life with others, in relationships. And so of all people, we in the church, as brothers and sisters of our Lord and our Savior, are ones to experience community. In our epistle for today, the Apostle Paul talks about some of the some of the residual effects of what happens when people are building community around their Savior, Jesus Christ. Earlier in chapter 5, he says, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love. Love is at the center of our community, isn't it? Just as Christ loved us. He says, for once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And so live as children of the light. Another, another descriptive word describing community in Christ. And then he says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. And be filled with the Spirit, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything through Christ our Savior. You know, this community uh, of church is not automatic, and I have to tell you, it's not easy. Uh, yeah, you've come to early service after losing an hour or so, but that doesn't guarantee that you're part of community. And maybe you're involved in, in one of the aspects of our ministry, uh, whether it's uh, teaching Sunday school or our music ministry or, or whether it's serving in something else, but that doesn't guarantee community. Or maybe you're, you're even in a small, small group and, and that can really build community too. All these things are so good. And yet community is never easy. And I ask myself, why is that? Why why does community crumble today? And there's three aspects of crumbling community I want to point out today. The first is 
the problem of individualism. We all want to be recognized and dignified, but individualism elevates yourself, one's self, above the needs of everyone else in the group. This is nothing new. It really strikes at the heart of what sin is about, the middle letter of sin, the big I. It's always about me. And even in the church, we are tempted to assess our relationships and our involvement in ministry with this attitude of individualism. What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of it? What about my needs? It becomes a battle cry. Rarely do individuals think about what is best for the group. And that's why I think team sports at an early age are so good, because it teaches kids that it's not always about them, but it's about the team. So individualism crumbles community. A second thing is isolationism. Uh, so much of our lives is marked by being isolated more and more from other people. Uh, with the, the outbreak of, of COVID-19, just think about all the advice that people are getting now. Stay at home, because at home, you can do just about everything. You can, many people work from home. You can shop from home, right? You can bank from home. You can worship from home. And it just goes on and on and on. There are days when, when I go out into the garage to go to work and I get in the car and I hit the button and the door goes up and I back up and I leave. And then when I come home, I hit the button again and I come into the garage and shut the door. I don't have to see anybody. I don't have to, I don't have to talk to anybody. Isolationism. My, my kids have a hard time believing that when, it, when you used to stop for gas at a gas station, you actually had to go inside to pay and talk to somebody, okay, <laughs> before you had pay at the pump. It's the same with banking, of course. I haven't been to a bank in months. It's all done online. You ask yourself, well, how many neighbors do you know? Do you know your neighbors? Uh, especially in the winter months, it's really hard. Maybe now that we're warmer weather this afternoon, you can get out and have a conversation with your neighbors. Uh, but think how many neighbors you know as opposed to your parents when, when, when they were in a neighborhood and how many they knew. And how many people uh, around you are you worship? Some of you are creatures of habit. You sit almost in the same places every week. You ought to be able to know the people that you're worshiping with and know their names and maybe know a little bit about them so that you can support them and encourage them. But isolation crumbles community. The third thing that, that is an enemy of community is what we call consumerism. We are a nation of consumers, and of course, we consume to live. But many people have this turned around, we live to consume. We buy things in astonishing quantities in a never-ending effort to meet our real or our perceived needs, and the solution is always more, more, more. You ask, well, how does that hurt or crumble community? For one, our rabid pursuit for the good life leaves us with so little margin in our lives. We're always rushing and running around. We work like crazy to pay off all the stuff that we already have or the stuff that we want in the future. And I have to be honest, some of our stuff really hurts community. 
One of the things that I enjoy doing is, is taking walks, and especially in the evening in the darker months, now it's, it's going to be later, but when you walk around in the evening, people have their lights on in their houses, and even through curtains, through open, you can see inside their house, and you can kind of see what's going on, and there's one thing that I noticed that almost every house has in common, and that is the glow of these giant television screens, and what does that do? That just brings more and more isolation to people in their homes. Consumerism. What happens is we begin to value things more than not only God, but more than people. Consumerism crumbles community. So you have to ask, well, what, what creates community? What can God do for us to help us to build true and meaningful community where people are cared for, where people are supported and encouraged, where we lift each other up in prayer. How can that happen in today's world? How can we, as the Apostle Paul says, how can we be wise making the most of the opportunities that we have in community? Well, there's three things I believe that help us to have a Christ-centered community. And one, the first thing, is that we build upon a common faith. In verse 20 of our text, Paul writes that as a result of being filled with the Spirit, that we live lives always overflowing, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, doesn't that sound like a, a positive kind of situation? Don't you like to be around people who are upbeat, people who are thankful, People who, even when they face adversity, know that God's going to pull them through. Aren't you, aren't, you, aren't you happy that you're part of a church to know that no matter what we face, that God promises that all things are going to work for good and that nothing is ever going to separate you from His love? You see, that's, that's what happens in community. We are building our lives not on the shifting sand or the shaking ground of the stuff of this world. We are building upon the rock-solid foundation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who gave His life for us and then rose again so that we know that our sins are forgiven, so that we know that God has a future for us. I want you to do me a favor as we think about building our foundation on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to look at the people who are around you. I want you to look to the side to the back and to the front, and yes, I want you to wave to them and maybe say hi. Can you just do that this morning? Don't touch them, though. Don't touch. <laughs> All right. You had to kind of stretch yourself because some of you are pretty far away from others today, but uh, when you looked at other people and you look them in the eyes, what, what did you see? What did, you, did you see someone who, by God's grace, most likely knows the same Savior that you have? Did you see someone that was behind you or beside you that because of their faith in Jesus Christ and by God's grace, they're going to be in heaven with you for eternity? And so when you realize the connectedness that we have in our foundation in Jesus, doesn't it want move you to want to know them and encourage them and support them because you have that commonality of your faith. So that truly as we come together as the body of Christ, we have 
Jesus. And as we read today, we come and we speak together in, 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 to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Doesn't that sound like worship? And we sing music and we make music in our hearts to the Lord. So we have a common faith. Secondly, what's going to build community is we build upon a common purpose. Real community is fostered when a group of people not only come together, but when together they have a common purpose or a common goal. One of the reasons that it's so difficult to build community in a church like ours is that we may not have a common understanding of why we are here. Here at Cornerstone, we believe that God's Word, the Holy Scriptures, offer us not only a rock-solid foundation for eternity for our lives, but it also, God's Word, gives us a common purpose. And the common purpose is not just about me. The common purpose is what Jesus told His disciples before He ascended into heaven. He says, now you, you go and make disciples of all nations. You are the light of the world. You are the ones who are blessed to be a blessing to others. And so our common purpose is to reach out beyond ourselves and to care for people and to build them up in Jesus as their Savior. And when we have that common purpose and we gather and we, and we, we give and we serve around that common purpose, it builds community that nothing else in this world can experience. Thirdly, not only do we have a common faith and a common purpose, but we meet at common places. You see, community is fostered by proximity, by sharing space. And this pretty much goes directly against everything that you're hearing on the news, okay? Uh, that we are to keep our distance. At a time of dangerous diseases and viruses, you are not supposed to be in the company of a lot of other people. What's the safest distance that you can be from somebody? How far can a cold or a sneeze travel? Did you hear about this? About six feet, okay? Some of you are already breaking the law. Look at this. You're sitting next to each other. But the thing is, yeah, there may be a time when public worship is discouraged. You may hear, don't go to church, don't go to worship. After all, we can, we're thankful for the online services. I had someone already say, Pastor, by the time Easter comes, it's going to be you and the musicians here. That's about it, okay? Well, that may come that day, but I have to tell you that there's something glorious. There's something wonderful that happens when people get together in person. When you look into a person's eye, and you see how thankful they are, how happy they are, because something wonderful has happened in their life. Or you look into their face and you see discouragement, and you see anxiety, and you, see, you understand that they're going through some difficult times, and you pray with them and for them. Wonderful things happen when we get together, as Scripture says today, when we sing with one another, and we give thanks with one another, that we pray together as a body of Christ. Well, one of the interesting things that happened in the early church, right after Pentecost, Luke, the, who writes the book of Acts, 
has this commentary. He says, every day, notice that every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They were in proximity with one another. They shared space with one another. And then they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. I know that the common way of communicating with people is through email or texting or Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or lots of other social media platforms. But in the end, We are blessed when we get together with one another. You know, in a large, fairly large and diverse congregation like ours, when there's 10 different worship services on a weekend, uh, it's it's difficult uh, to have uh, that kind of community. But one of the things that has been a blessing to us here at Cornerstone is, is our small group ministry. And small groups happen in lots of different places in the ministry of our church. Whether, they are, whether they're in Bible classes or in music groups uh, or our, our, our small group ministry. Uh, we've got a neat little testimonial today on the video screen from Dave and Annette Probst. Some of you may know them about the value that they've seen in their small group ministry. The components of our small group meetings go something like this. We meet on Sunday evenings and we go to someone's house and they make dinner for us. It could be something as simple as pizza or something as elaborate as what they would like to do, but it's whatever they want to do. So we have dinner and fellowship first. Um, We can talk about what's going on in our lives or what's going on in the world. It just doesn't matter. We're just there to kind of catch up a little bit. And then we have a study and the studies usually are based on the Right Now Media videos. So we have a study Then we ask for prayer requests, and that's the time that we can just tell each other our highs and lows of what's been going on in our lives, and we wrap up the evening in prayer. Our small group has really helped to firm up our commitment as disciples in Christ a couple of different ways, but I would say you always hear it said that you really grow in your faith when you're actually able to exercise it. And what the small group allows you is that trusted environment where you're around people that know you and love you and and you've known for a while, and you actually get to vocalize and, shall we say, practice your faith. And in doing so, you know, you build courage, you build energy and excitement for what you're doing. So when you are faced with the opportunity to witness through word or action, you just feel better equipped, and the small group has really helped in that matter. When you think about being in a small group, you think about being in relationships and growing in your faith. And to me, that is a dictionary definition of a small group. It is so much deeper than that. You can talk intimately and be very transparent with a group of people, and they're supporting you and encouraging you that you want to be with that group in fellowship because of a deep trust and commitment with each other. We have really relied on our small group a lot over the years as we've celebrated things in our life and of course had things to to pray about. And it's so humbling, truthfully, when somebody reaches out to you in the small group to know that they trust you with with things that are going on in their lives. And it's kind of an honor to be able to offer them those up in prayer. And of course, we individually 
have reached out multiple times to folks in our, in our small group as well when we've needed them, or maybe it was something to celebrate. Our small group has really helped uh, each of us. I think I can speak for our group and our understanding of our faith as we go about glorifying God. I think we can all relate to being in high school, and it's that first day of high school. And you've had your morning classes and you walk into the cafeteria, and it's a big room, and you look around for somebody you know, and you're looking around trying to figure out where am I gonna sit. And wouldn't it be great if somebody stood up and said, hey, over here, I saved you a seat. And there's that warmth that you feel that you belong somewhere. That's how it is with a small group, but it's even better because you belong to a group of believers, and it is a blessing and a true gift. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree too. Thank you, David and Ed. You know, if, if you are not part of a small group and you feel like this is something that the Lord may lead, be leading you to, I, I believe there's a table set up for small group signups. If not, you can always call uh, the church office and we can help to get you connected. The fact remains that all across our society, communities are crumbling. And yes, there's many reasons why that could happen. But today we continue to celebrate the community that we have in the common faith that we build upon in the Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate the common purpose that we have to continue to, to reach and care and build, build people for Jesus. And together we, as, as our passage says, we, we overflow with thanksgiving to God the Father through our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. May God bless us in community. Amen.